0: Hey there, welcome to the Lore to Death podcast. My name is Brett, and today I want to talk about yet another game whose main antagonist is a pharmaceutical company that somehow got into genetic engineering and caused an outbreak of zombies. Today, that is the Dead Island series. Specifically, I wanted to talk about the zombie-infested Bannoy Island where the games take place, how it exactly became known as the Dead Island, and where it went from there, who was behind it, and so on and so forth. Now, I want to preface that I haven't played Dead Island past the first one, and honestly, I was shocked to find out that there are several games. I thought there was only the two. So reading up on these games is actually quite fascinating, and it might actually entice me to go back and play them. This suggestion was given to me by a friend and listener of the podcast, Stefan, and thank you very much for suggesting this. Because honestly, it's been really fun to dive into the lore of Dead Island because I really didn't know that there was that much. Now, I just want to say first and foremost that there are some contradictions in the lore. There are a couple points where the games straight up just contradict each other or overwrite what they said previously. So I'm going to do my best to try to parse through them and I'm going to take the most recent information as canon. So that means that something that was mentioned in Dead Island 1 that was retconned by one of the later games, I'm going to take the retcon as canon. So if you're a huge fan of these games, or you're just like me and you only played the first game, there might be a couple things that you think are a little funky, and I swear I'm not just making stuff up, it's either going to come from one of the other games or one of the supplemental materials. So without further ado, let's get right into it. It all started with a fellow by the name of Ronald Crown, who founded a company called GeoFarm with co-founder Chase Barrister somewhere in the late 20th century. It's not specifically mentioned when the company was founded, but given the commercial success of the company, along with some other dates that we'll get to in a bit, I can assume that GeoFarm was founded somewhere in the late 70s, possibly in the early 80s. But it could have been before that, and it could have been after that, honestly, but there's no concrete dates there, so that's what we're going with. Ronald and Chase started GeoFarm with the noble intention of curing diseases, as they all tend to start out as. Together, they built their first laboratory in San Francisco before moving to the Vanoy Archipelago to establish the next several labs. The move from San Francisco to the Banoi Island was likely because of their shady practices. While Ronald and Chase had initially set themselves up on a moral high ground, Ronald himself put their practice as a means to an end a necessary evil to cure disease, which involved plenty of unsanctioned animal testing. We know this from various animal cages being mentioned in the book, as well as from the main game where West mentions that their previous lab was firebombed by animal rights activists, which was a constant problem for them among their other labs. One of the survivors in Escape Dead Island, Cliff Callow, was only ever on the island to investigate the shady practices of GeoFarm after he was disgraced by his family. However, the corporation didn't start out like that. Like I mentioned, it was a means to an end. Initially, it was much more idealistic with the aims of curing some of the most fatal diseases around the world, including one neurological disease called Kuru, which was widely spread among the local tribes and was believed to be ground zero for the zombie outbreak on the Banoy Archipelago. But their idealism all changed with one discovery and a little bit of corporate greed. When they built their offshore facility, Chase soon came to discover a major find which he called the Hewitt-Kahn Enzyme Accelerator, or HKAA for short. I'm just gonna call this the HKEA because it's a lot easier than saying H-K-E-A, and with how fast I talk, I'm just going to stumble over my words entirely, always, so h is actually a virus that was developed to combat the Kuru virus, and is capable of being programmed to express proteins as desired, similar to a modern RNA vaccine. First, they tried testing it on some anemones, which were infected with the Kuru virus, and the initial test results were very positive, but inconclusive as to how they would work on humans. Since it would be unethical, to say the least, to request human test subjects be injected with a fatal virus, they tested it against some other RNA-editing enzyme called ADAR1, which they believed would expose a safe level of mutation without killing people. Some of the test subjects were exposed either accidentally or intentionally to HKIA programmed to express the Kuru virus protein and either due to the expression of the Kuru protein or the ADAR1 or both. The HKIA developed anomalous properties and generated bloodborne stem cells that congested along the spinal column. This development seems like it was entirely unintentional, but it was considered promising. The research team ended up dropping the use of HKEA for the treatment of the Kuru virus and instead started focusing on these new developments to see how they could use it. Shortly after they discovered the HKEA, Ronald's son, Emery Crown, started pushing his father more and more towards wanting to take control of the business. Emery had been hanging around with a bunch of rich folks who called themselves the Palm Golden Order, who had been told about the development of the HKEA. And they wanted to take control of it for themselves, and so they used Emery as a means to an end. Ronald found out who they were, or roughly, who they were, and he did not trust them, so he tried his best to keep the Hkia out of their hands while still developing it. In trying to find a use for the production of the stem cells, Robert and Chase discovered, likely through animal testing, that the h in its current state was extremely dangerous, in that it was causing extreme cancerous growths on the cell tissue that it was supposed to be repairing, which meant that Ronald would try to keep it closer to his chest as to make sure that no one else got their hands on it and used it for nefarious purposes. Then, of course, the unthinkable happened when Ronald found out that an unknown, unauthorized researcher from an outside group conducted a live test using the h and killed a patient as a result. Ronald and Chase were horrified by this outcome, of course. Ronald especially because he had been trying to keep it a secret from the world after his son tried to pry it from his hands. Ronald immediately demanded a full stop in the middle of development of the h as a result, as his initial vision for the company was to help and cure people, not kill them. Animals were fair game, though. However, Emery was not happy with the idea of production stopping, So Emery had his own father kidnapped, assaulted, and locked in his own facility. But for what purpose? To make him sign over the company to Emery and the Palm Golden Order under duress, so that they could keep it going long enough to cash out on it. Before Ronald signed the company over, he was able to get a message out to his co-founder, Chase, to tell him what was happening and to find a place for himself and his son, Kevin, to hide. Un. Fortunately, Emery was way ahead of them both, and Chase was made an example of. We don't know what this means exactly, but there's no record of him after this point, so we can assume that he was killed. Kevin Barrister, his son, harbored a hatred towards Emery for the disappearance of his father, and rightfully so. Kevin turned to criminal activities that made use of the computer and other technological skills that he learned over his time working with his father at GeoFarm. He ended up working for the criminal underworld and eventually terrorist organizations under the moniker Karen. Karen, for those who don't know, was the ferryman in Greek mythology that transported the dead across the river Archeron to the underworld in exchange for souls. If you played Hades, then you might also remember Karen. Seeing as all this work he did was to avenge his family, I think it's a clever little name, if not a little too on the nose because his entire thing was that he was going to be the ferryman that was going to bring the people who killed his father across the river into the afterlife. Poetic, but a little villainous. All of this work, however, wasn't just to cause aimless destruction, but to gain enough notoriety that eventually Kevin would be contacted and hired by the Consortium, which was the company who oversaw the work of the Palm Golden Order, bringing his plan to full circle. But what did the Consortium and the Palm Golden Order want with the h and GeoFarm? And what was Kevin's plan to be hired and somehow overthrow them? Well, GeoFarm was made on the premise of curing diseases and ailments. But the Consortium wanted to do the reverse, create diseases that could be weaponized and sold to the highest bidder. On a whole, that wasn't their only goal, as it seems like they had their hands in just about anything. But it seems that's what they wanted GeoFarm for in particular. The company, if you can call it that, the consortium, didn't technically exist for legal purposes, but was rather an idea that was controlled by a few wealthy folks who would take interest in a company and find a way to sleuth their way into it and use it for their own purposes. That's why they couldn't just buy out GeoFarm or have it signed over to them, but had to have the company signed over to Emery, who was under their influence. So Emery was their figurehead in this situation, and I'm sure they did this all over the world with other companies. So, once Emory had taken over GeoFarm, they had put a hold on the vaccine production and took a hard shift into bioweapons engineering using the research that had been facilitated by Ronald and Chase. They would still work on vaccines, but only after they had created a successful bioweapon that they could subsequently sell the vaccines to keep a good public face, while making millions off their own catastrophes. And, of course, they would continue using animals and humans in their testing, despite it being a little less than legal. But because the consortium had connections with people in high places, they never saw any repercussions except for the constant attacks on their labs by activist groups. This is likely the reason that most of their labs were built in either offshore or in secluded locations, to keep away from prying eyes and public media. An indefinite amount of time later, Ronald Crown, the founder of GeoFarm, passed away. Once again, there's no definite timeline of events. The only actual date I could find is that it was supposedly Ronald passed away in 1997, but I, for the life of me, can't find the source on that. It was mentioned in one of the wiki pages, but literally nowhere else. So, take that with a grain of salt, because it doesn't seem like there's anything concrete here unless I'm missing something. I spent way too much time trying to find this out, and turned up nothing. But assuming that it was somewhere in the late 90s, that kind of makes sense. The active theory surrounding his death is that he couldn't stand to see what had been made of his life's work. Seeing his research that was supposed to help people, used as a means to make bioweapons for profit, filled him with a deep grief. And he passed away due to a lack of a will to live. So, the consortium, in full control of GeoFarm, began reverse-engineering the research on the Kuru virus to weaponize it. They eagerly began research on this project after initial polling suggested that it could have a profit margin in the billions by selling to their employers and military organizations around the world. And this is where most of the aforementioned human testing came into play in their labs on the Banui Archipelago. The tribespeople that had the Kuru virus went from being test subjects for a cure for their afflictions to being patient zero for a more aggressive, weaponized version of the plague. And because they were a small tribe in the middle of nowhere, no one really noticed them going missing. Eventually, the researchers discovered that the Kuru virus seems to have mutated to a more deadly virus than they had seen before. They dubbed this pathogen HK, which consisted of a stronger and faster variant of the Kuru virus, HIV, and other diseases combined and mutated together over the course of many years unchecked. They theorized that this disease was able to evolve to such a deadly state because of the cannibalistic nature of the tribes, which was brought upon by the original Kuru virus. Pathogen HK very quickly infected and effectively killed any humanity in the host, leaving only their most primitive functions alive. The host would become highly aggressive and was prone to attacking anything in its vicinity, devouring their prey as they killed, which would only spread the disease further. However, they found that in certain cases the host would be entirely asymptomatic and could transmit the disease through bodily fluids such as blood and saliva which meant that they could easily infect a great population in a matter of minutes under the right circumstances. The consortium was enthralled by this idea. They could infect one or a few people and basically kill a population in the blink of an eye. An international team was assembled to carry out experiments where they would try to isolate the stable version of the pathogen to be weaponized. This quickly became their top priority and they created many different versions of the pathogen to be tested in what were supposed to be isolated groups for effectiveness across the archipelago. It was key that the virus stayed on the island for the time being so that the worst-case scenario was that they lost control of one of the islands instead of an entire nation. So they began introducing the pathogen into tribal groups on the island to see the ramifications under a smaller scale. In tandem with the bioweapon, they needed to make sure that they had a vaccine in their back pocket before sending it out in the world. They would slowly try to introduce a vaccine into their test groups and learned that a small group of individuals, all with O- negative blood type, seemed to be immune to the virus and deemed that that was the key to developing a vaccine. Then, in typical Bond villain style, they used their immense resources to scan a multinational blood drive under a variety of monikers to find unwitting test subjects that they would invite to the resort on the island. Nine people, in total, were ultimately selected and then contacted by way of inviting them for a free, all-inclusive two-week stay on the island that they won in a random sweepstakes draw. They were chosen not just because they had the right blood type, but because they had a history of healthy, resistant immune systems, and fit the demographic of being young, healthy, and physically fit. This was so that the test subjects would be able to fight back against the infected and follow the trail created by the consortium and their agents back to the labs on the island. In these labs, they would basically trick them into giving them their blood so that they could use that to make a vaccine. The owner of said resort, Kenneth Ballard, often used his resort for illegal activities, assuming drug trafficking and the like and so the consortium was able to pay them out to receive the test subjects and make them feel like they really want a free trip. One of the agents that the consortium hired was none other than Kevin Karen Bannister, who had recently come under their employ as a tech whiz and hacker. They also had a geofarm scientist by the name of Dr. Robert West, who I mentioned very briefly before, who would be planted at the lab and lure the subjects there so that he could gather their blood and use it to develop a vaccine. Now, here is where I have a major complaint. And yes, there have been plenty of things wrong with the story up to this point, but here's my tipping point. The consortium is large enough to have dealings with governments, militaries, and PMC groups, but for some reason they felt the need to make this huge song and dance routine to get blood from nine people in the hopes of creating a vaccine. I feel like with the depth of their influence, they could have had these people abducted in their homes or roofied at nightclubs in order to get their blood, but no they had to fly them out to an island where they would be potentially killed by a bunch of ravenous, diseased tribespeople, so that they could give their blood willingly to a lab rat under the assumption that they even get to the lab in the first place. Like I said before, this is Bond villain behavior, and that wasn't just a turn of phrase, this is actually the most roundabout song and dance that I could possibly think of, but I digress. With Kevin, or Karen, in their employ, they figured that they would have complete surveillance on the island as a way to lure the subjects to the lab with his skills. Little did they know, Kevin had plans of his own to release the disease into the world as a sort of twisted plan to get revenge for his father's death at the hands of the Palm Golden Order, as mentioned before. His plan was that he would find a way to incapacitate or hold the subjects hostage, and once he had destroyed those who were responsible for his father's death with the bioweapon, He would auction the survivors off to the highest bidder for them to create a vaccine. That way, he would have a mass of wealth and the satisfaction that his family had been avenged. And, speaking of Bond villains, yeesh. At this point, I'm just going to refer to Kevin as Karen, because he clearly wasn't himself past this. He was in his villain era. Full stop. By the time that the test subjects were en route to the resort, the island had essentially been lost. Whether it was by design or not, I think that what they'd intended had gone a little out of control. It was no longer just the tribes that were infected on the island, but thousands of tourists, resort employees, and other island residents that had been essentially turned into zombies. Most people who were alive resorted to vandalism, taking out the authorities while becoming the the scum-of-the-earth raiders, stealing everything they could get their hands on and killing anyone who got in their way. This is where the first Dead Island game starts. The island was basically set on fire, and that did not go unnoticed. Remember that just because the consortium and GeoFarm had plenty of going-ons in the island doesn't mean that they owned it. The Banoy Island Defense Force was a military force on the island that acted as an extension of the police force, but obviously a little more extreme. Their leader was a Colonel Ryder White, who made the events of the island known on a global scale. Instilling fear and panic about a zombie outbreak worldwide, Ryder called for a nuclear strike on Banoy if the situation continued to worsen. So, I guess this little private police force had control of nuclear weapons, and I don't know why. Of course, the consortium just couldn't have all of their research wiped away in a blaze of glory before they could sell the virus to the world. So they had their agents investigate Ryder and attempted to blackmail him in a live interview using photos of the island residents and asking if he would be willing to personally execute them by way of nuclear strike. One of the photos that was presented to him was his wife. And they saw a moment of weakness where they knew that he wouldn't call the strike if it meant killing his wife. In the meantime, they had a plan to infect his wife so that they would be able to stall and have reason to finish the bioweapon along with the vaccine so that if he did blow up the island, they would still have their research. Ultimately, it worked. Ryder did everything that he could to make sure that his vaccine got developed once he learned that his wife had been turned. Ultimately, Karen didn't want the vaccine to be developed before he could unleash the virus on the world, so he did a number of impersonations of Ryder to guide the surviving test subjects to the Geofarm lab, where they would meet with Dr. West to work on a vaccine and bioweapon simultaneously. While the survivors had unknowingly helped them finish work on the mutagen, with the use of pathogen HK's patient zero, Yurima, Karen unlocked some infected test subjects' cages to kill Dr. West and his associates before they could create the vaccine. Karen, then, still impersonating Ryder, led the survivors to a mutagen lab where they would obtain the virus, but lied and told them it was the vaccine instead. They were to grab the bioweapon and deliver it right to him and escape the island together. There's a lot that happens here, and I'm going to do my best to TLDR it, Ryder found out that Karen had been impersonating him, and locked Karen in a room, and taken what he assumed was the vaccine from him. Not knowing that it was actually the bioweapon, not the vaccine, he used it on himself in an attempt to save his own life after being bitten by his infected wife. The virus caused Ryder to turn into a super zombie, and it was up to the survivors to kill him and escape the island with Karen, who managed to free himself and the patient zero, Yurima. So the bioweapon had been used up on Ryder, but Karen now had EureMA, the source of the virus, to attempt to create another version which he could use on a global level. The consortium witnessed all of this and was powerless to stop it. However, they saw how Ryder had been basically turned into a superhuman with the use of the manufactured virus. They recognized the faults in this being used because they wouldn't be able to control someone who was infected with it. But they also saw this as a means to an end and knew that if they could refine it, their hopes and dreams could still come true. This is where the events of Dead Island Riptide happen. Another summary here, because I don't necessarily think that the entire plot of the game is important to what's happening with Geofarm and the consortium, but here's what's important. Eurema had been taken to the consortium headquarters by Karen, who was still under the guise of working for them. The consortium came to the understanding that Karen might have had other plans that didn't necessarily align with their own but they decided to let it slide because he was still an important piece of the puzzle for them. Plus, their ideals did meet somewhere in the middle, they just diverged from that point, and the consortium was content with working with him up until that point. They found out that the nearby island of Palinai was likely the origin of the Kuru virus, brought over to the Banoi by island raiders. And it turned out, during World War II, the Japanese found out about it, and had done some experiments of their own, similar to the consortium so they were able to use some of their research to better develop the Kuru virus into a bioweapon. So in testing their new information, they caused another outbreak on Palinai because it worked out so well for them the first time. The resulting mutations were consistent with the research previously done by Dr. West on Banoi, while the vaccine tested all resulted in horrific deaths, which strengthened their need for the Banoi survivors once again to be guinea pigs for the vaccine. Long story short, they forcibly tested one of their more stable mutagens on researcher Harlow Jordan, who helped engineer it. Harlow went into some sort of superhuman rage similar to Ryder, and killed all the researchers before she was ultimately killed by the survivors, after they injected themselves with the same mutagen, giving them the same strength to be able to deal with her, and escaped the island by boat. Ultimately, this was the last known act by the consortium to create bioweapons. But, it's assumed that they tried to pick up the pieces, again, It was later revealed in the second game that the Consortium was actually also a pawn of a larger company, just like the Palm Golden Order was a pawn of the Consortium. The Consortium was a pawn of the Ashanton. which I'm sure I'm pronouncing wrong, it's spelled very strangely. And so this rabbit hole goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. It turns out that their goal was to research something called the Autophage, which was something built into every human's DNA and was essentially a doomsday clock. When it hit zero, every human would turn into a zombie. And so, all this time, the Palm Golden Order, the Consortium, and the Ashantan was trying to jumpstart the process with the HK virus so they could find a way to cure the autophage when it struck. So, they're actually the good guys? I guess, similarly to Robert's own confessions about his company that it was just a means to an end and a necessary evil, I guess so were they? Eventually, another prototype of the HK1 virus was able to cause a much larger outbreak in Los Angeles, to eventually find the ultimate cure that would save everyone on Earth from turning into a zombie. So, basically, kill a few million to save a few billion. In the end, Emery died before the events of the Escape Dead Island game, as far as I can find. When? No one knows. Karen, as far as we know, is still alive and working for the Consortium. He still hasn't gotten revenge yet, so he's still hanging on. I'm assuming that they'll probably wrap up his story in maybe another sequel, or another book, or something else, because there are a lot of loose ends here, but I might be the only one in the world who cares about it. And, well, that's about it. So ultimately it became much more than just GeoFarm, and turned out to be a whole conspiracy and how it was all for the greater good, but it all had its roots in Geopharm, having come up with the original HK virus. So we can just blame them and call it a day, I think. But... What do you think? Do you think that if Emery wasn't such a piece of human garbage that GeoFarm would have been able to do some good in the world? Or do you think that the Palm Golden Order and the Consortium would have found a way to exploit them regardless? You can find us online at lord to death on your favorite social media or podcast websites. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics, please send me a message wherever you can find me or at lord death at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And once again, thank you to Stefan for suggesting this episode. That's something that I didn't know a whole ton about, but now I'm glad I know. And if I go back and replay the games, I'll have a little bit of foreknowledge, which is kind of cool. And remember, if someone is offering you fame and fortune for selling out your family, they probably aren't your friends. A few billion dollars can get you a lot, but it can't get you the secret meatloaf family recipe that your grandma's been holding to her chest. You know, you gots to get that meatloaf, baby. And I'll lure you to death in the next one. See ya.